Benvenidos and welcome to the Platform Latino podcast where we profile, highlight, and bring to the airwaves the successes of our community and those helping us to get us there. I'm your host, Osvaldo Valdez, and I'd like to thank you for joining us and enjoy the show. Today we have Hendel Levia, who I met a few weeks ago at a workshop hosted by Books Made Easy and The Latinista. So shout out to Yai for, for introducing us and we can talk a little bit about her influence in our lives a little bit later. But um, I wanted to have him and he me on his podcast to talk a little bit and just get to know each other and um, hear our stories and see if it can help our listeners. Sure. Welcome. Welcome, Hendel. Thank you. Appreciate this opportunity. Um, I think this comes at a great time when uh, I'm trying to do more podcast interviews because I think that there is a story that I love to share um, with other listeners that could help them. So appreciate the opportunity. Definitely. Yeah, I was really excited that, that we, we connected and um, reached out to each other to, to have this podcast mm-hmm. because um, you've been in the podcast game a little bit longer with more than 100 episodes. Sure. Um, uh, right now, at this current time, I have eight published ones. But um, I just wanted to hear a little bit of your background story mm-hmm. and then also like maybe later on in the podcast to to hear what you've learned to see if I'm learning the same things and maybe I can learn a little bit, learn from your mistakes as well as if other people are out there, you know, have um, some ideas and, you know, about either podcasting mm-hmm. and sharing their story, um, going through hard times that we talked about or uh, also like a little bit of before we, we started recording, we talked about. I, I could tell that you have a love for music, so thank you. I could always um, we'll, we'll we'll drop in a few lyrics here and there. Well, we will. <laughs> so, um, if you want to get started, like, yeah. where did you grow up? What was your like upbringing like? Yeah, I mean, so I guess to begin, right? Um, I want to give the listeners some context as to what meeting, right? Mm-hmm. So, we met at this workshop, and I think it was great that as soon as we heard the word podcasts like that drew us together right and now we're sitting and i think that that is that exemplifies the opportunities that are in this field right because otherwise it would have maybe taken us a couple more years to connect but here we are now doing this interview i think you know the premise of your podcast in interviewing people and how they've gotten to be successful um inspires me but also when you said to me that I could be someone on that podcast, for me, it was like, I started an opportunity because I wasn't supposed to be successful again, you know? Um, so that's the story that I want to share because I've really come from a place where I lost everything um, and was really driven down to my knees. But have managed to come back up and stronger in a way that I never thought before. So, you know, I want to share that element where I feel like this wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. So, yeah. No, and we've all been through some hard times and I I don't, you know, you, I smiled when you said like, I I wasn't supposed to be successful again. Mm -hmm. I don't particularly agree with that because we both, we, everybody in their lives have their plateaus and their, their low points. And every, I'm maybe a, an optimist, but, you know, if you reach a low, you can get back to that plateau. And maybe that was just a, a peak, a false peak mm. that um, you got to that you thought you were hitting success. And you, you but there's another peak and another summit that you can. Right. So, like, I, I did a Camino de Santiago in 2012, which is a walk through northern Spain. And there's a thing called false summit. And that's um, it's a hiking term, I think. Mm. And you get to one point, you think you've reached the top, and then you look up, and there's like hundreds and hundreds of feet more. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh man, I've been like pushing myself just to get to this point. And uh, I realize there's so much more. But it, you know, you can really equate that to life. And you, you, you get to these points, you think there's success. And sometimes you might have to go down to the valley to get to the next um, right. summit and the next peak. So um, that's a great analogy. Yeah. So it's, um, it, it, I'm glad to, to, that we did connect, you know, and, yeah. and it, it, I love the unification of podcasting. So, like, when you mention you do have a podcast, people either say, oh, I know somebody that's doing a podcast mm-hmm. or you should listen to this one. So it is a it's a beautiful medium that can bring people together. 
um, especially with like-minded genres like ours, you know, focusing on the Latino community, which is very important, especially in times like this where, you know, not always is the positive light on us. It's always either negative or what we're doing to get to equality, which is very important, the, the equality part. But, you know, in the background, and what I hope my podcast produces a little bit is that, you know, in the background, we're doing a lot of good stuff and we've mm. been around for a while since, since forever. So, you know, sell, we need to celebrate that more and, you sure. know, maybe it won't change some people's minds. Like, OK, they've been here forever, for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I was a little ignorant to think that they, you know, just came over the border. Or they just came here for for yeah. for the American dream. But they've been here for centuries. Yeah. So, um. I think that's a great segue into kind of the beginning of my story. So um, I am Ecuadorian and Guatemalan. And, um, you know, I think that I'm the product of two different broken parts of the immigration system, which are not how they are today, but it's, it's just exemplary of like, you know, individuals needing to find their way to come to the United States. Um, Quick question. Were you born here in the States? So I I was, yes. Um, but a lot of my passion is driven by my parents' individual stories. Um, and then also, you know, so I was born in Queens. And um, by the time I started kindergarten, I, my family moved to Long Island, to a community called Brentwood. Um, and Brentwood is significant because the demographics began shifting from Italian and Puerto Rican to made up mostly of people who were fleeing the remnants of the El Salvador Civil War. So most of the friends that I grew up with were Salvadorian um, or Salvadoran American. And, you know, the town eventually became majority Salvadoran. Um, so that, you know, if we place that into the greater context of what was happening on Long Island, that was happening in communities on Long Island all over the place, from the Hamptons to Patchogue um, to places in Nassau County, places were shifting But at the same time, like this mirrored the energy on immigration that was happening um, in Arizona at the same time. So Arizona and Long Island here in New York are always very linked in terms of like how policy is created and how it's implemented. Um, And I think growing up in that environment um, and seeing it on the TV, seeing seeing it on TV, seeing it on the news, um, it was kind of like if if I'm in the middle of this. Um, if I'm in the middle of this, how can I not be a part of like trying to work towards something better? Definitely. And, you know, I, um, <clears throat> my parents um, are Puerto Rican and Cuban. My dad was born in Cuba. My mom was born up here in the Bronx, but finished high school and, and lived most of her life in Florida. But um, growing up in Florida, you, it's a little bit you're a little bit blinded by the immigration thing because you're you're surrounded by Latinos. So, you know, I, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, which is just a half hour north of Miami. But where, you know, you walk into a normal McDonald's and sometimes you have to order in Spanish. Mm -hmm. It's that, you know, um, mix and part of the culture that it's, you don't, you're a little bit blinded to to racism and the the feeling of the rest of the country. So it is a blessing, but it is a curse. But so when I went to school in Illinois, I kind of saw that like, okay, you know, not everywhere is accepting of me or my, my, my people and my ethnicity, but you know you have to it's it's important to learn you know and i i didn't know that that arizona and long island kind of married each other in mm-hmm. the in the immigration um fight because you know it's 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 interesting to see those similarities because i think like miami is kind of probably a little similar to california maybe not as much but um that that you know there are large populations of latinos you know ranging from mexicans to, to cubans puerto ricans to venezuelans so it's it's been a it's been a hodgepodge of that, right. but it, but it is important to to talk about it, reflect on it, and also count your not count your blessings, but like kind of look at what where you came from, what your situation was, and um, learn from that and use that to to kind of propel yourself into the to the next. Um, yeah, I mean something that you mentioned. Um, so you're right because I did grow up in Long Island, you know, where the demographics were becoming more Latino. So I feel like although i saw in the news what was happening i never felt like i was like deeply impacted because there were always latinos around me i remember it was when i went to the university of albany upstate um and moved into the dorm room freshman year and i was scrolling through channels that i first came upon glenn beck right Mm -hmm. 
And is he a, a guest of the show? <laughs> a joke, joke. I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> could be. You know, it, it'll be good for ratings. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I came upon him, and I had never heard someone speak about immigration in that way. Where at first it just it seemed like he was giving facts, but then like it turned into incendiary rhetoric. Um, and that was my first time being introduced to what you would call the right or the alt-right or conservatism. But like you said, I mean, I was kind of shielded away from that growing up on Long Island. Though, you know, Long Island is one of the most polarizing places in the nation um, in terms of race. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And like, I, I always find it interesting. I think I forgot where I read it or heard it, but... If you look back, most people in the United States, if you go back two to three generations, they were immigrants. So it's 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 very hypocritical of the nation to to be, you know, alt right or conservative, however you want to label it. But that you know, if you look at your great great grandfather, he probably came over here from somewhere else. You know, there's yeah. very few families that are either outside of the you know the Native Americans that. Um, that we're here from the start so it's yeah i mean so fast forward a little bit right mm-hmm. so these these tensions on long island started becoming deeper and started becoming um a lot more serious where this there started to be violence in communities so you know i talk about how in farming bill i think this was maybe 2001 2002 um, there were neo-Nazis that beat day laborers, right? And really, like, you know, with weapons and, like, beat them to, like, an inch of death, right? But, like, this was happening, you know, on Long Island. Um, fast forward to 2008, when Ecuadorian immigrant Marcel Lucero was killed in the village of Patchogue by, um, I think it was six Patchogue Medford High School students. I think, I think it was eight, actually. Six white, one black, and one Latino, Right. Um, this was part of a sport that was called beaner hopping, where they would chase immigrants around at night, steal their money. But the thing is, you know, the reports revealed that this had been happening for 10 years, right? So there's a whole gen- there's a whole two generations that went and immigrants were being beat by like people in this, com- you know, living in this community. Right um, next door. It's- right. And, um, it just so happened that this was the incident where this, you know, young man died um, that really created a firestorm across the nation. So, you know, and again, going a little further, but um, when I was brought in to do presentations for like high school students, right, um, they were tired of hearing about it. They were tired of hearing about immigration and Marcelo Lucero and I forgot the guy's name who, you know, like it was a controversy that the town wanted to move away from. And rightfully so, because there was a lot of constant criticism that was rained down from the media and advocates. Um, so given that environment, the kids that I was talking to didn't necessarily care that like being Italian a few generations back would have been the same as like someone from El Salvador getting beat or someone Jewish, like right? I mean, white started becoming homogenized in terms of this issue. So when you're talking about people or these kids like not understanding it's because it's 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 all been packaged now right and the same way that we said you know well we're kind of like a little bit away from the issue because like we live amongst latinos well same thing for them they all now live amongst white people right so what do they have to worry about it right however i think bringing it to the current political moment right you see this shit happening at schools all the time now Mm-hmm. You see this shit happening at Starbucks. You see, you know, like the whole MAGA thing, right? And throwing it in people's faces and the violence. The thing is that the people who did a lot of, you know, this bad stuff 10, 15 years ago, today, I mean, we can't think of them all as probably becoming criminals or something, right? Mm-hmm. Some of these people became doctors, lawyers, educators, like, they live amongst us. They have these stories, right? Um, and same thing with this next generation. This next generation one day will become people amongst us as well. So what are we doing to address it, right? And so 
I think a part for me that I like to talk about is that I was once involved in one of these incidents, right? Um, where me and my friends in high school did harass day laborers for a joke, right? And that was also kind of the beginning of me waking up when I went to college and learning about Latin American studies and immigration. And I became obsessed with writing about immigration because I sort of felt that I needed to be responsible for my actions as well. And that's kind of like all the beginning of like why I decided to become an activist in the first place. So, yeah, so that's kind of like the story behind. Yeah, and it's important, like, uh, you know, you said that you took part in you know harassing the the day laborers and mm. uh, a funny story is um one time my mom i we we walk we drove by a you know a labor pool like where they go to to get picked up for work mm. and i go mom what, what's that group of people doing there right and she says oh they um they go there to to work and people pick them up for for random jobs and, and me being naive and ignorant and uh, a little bit lazy i was like that sounds like the perfect job. I can go when mm-hmm. I want and work when I want. And then, right. <laughs> but then she explained to me, like, they, they don't have that option. They have to be there and they're getting paid pennies compared to what you would get paid dollars. But, right. And I mean, that is funny, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do think it's funny. And, you know, I mean, jokes are jokes that you make amongst friends, mm-hmm. right? But I, I, what I question is what happens when it's no longer a joke, right? Mm-hmm. What, what happens when you're out with your friends and you get this surge of adrenaline and you want to do something like who are you going to pick on? You know what I'm saying? And that's when I've gone to talk to colleges and the high schools, like as I've gotten more experience in this work, that's the message I'd like to take. Like, it's one thing, you know, that we're making jokes about this, that the fucking president is making these jokes. Right. Mm-hmm. But what happens when people are really like yeah. taking this to an extreme and actually mm-hmm. hurting people? Then what? Yeah. And that, you know, <laughs> There's there's lists and encyclopedias of of context that of, of all the bad things Trump did, but if you, it's hard to say this, but like spin it on a positive light, mm-hmm. he exposed how racist America still is, and you know that we still have a long way to go. Um, I think you know we had probably some good decades where you know there there were you know episodes of of racism and but they're minuscule compared to how it is today which we never thought we would go, you know, from the 60s and civil rights movement to, you know, some equality. And now we're, it's like we're digressing. So on that aspect, you know, it it's it's a pill. Maybe maybe I don't want to say this uh, live, but but it is a pill we have to swallow. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, it, and it's important, like you were saying, that, you know, this is built in generationally. So, you know, if you're four generations in that, you know, second or third generation probably built these races context in their mind and they pass that on to their kids so and and you know you you have to put yourself in other people's shoes you don't know that until you a you experienced it or you're putting that put in that same position mm-hmm. whether you know it could be race color of your skin um economic um it wouldn't be racism but you know segregation of, of economic classes you, you realize how that feels, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's not a good feeling. And then once you get that 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 bad feeling in your gut, like, oh, my God, like they're they're hating on me because my my eyes are brown mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're all their eyes are blue or I have black hair and, you know, and whatnot. You you don't you never you never felt that you, you it's it's not that you never felt that. But until you feel that is when you realize how important it is to to stop that and educate younger generations as well as um the mass population to to change their mentality and well i think i think everything you're describing could be wrapped up in one word mm-hmm. which is empathy mm-hmm. like you develop empathy um and that's a big word nowadays like the right. last five years like empathy social empathy, you know and and then there's countless books on it now mm-hmm. but but it takes you can read a million books but you're not going to learn empathy right exactly and um you know honestly like I think it goes beyond what Trump just exposed, right? Mm-hmm. I think it. I think as a society entirely, we're kind of like on an end of an upheaval because there's stuff on the left that I criticize too. Mm-hmm. There's stuff on the left that just makes me shake my head. The way that, you know, activism is carried out nowadays in some ways. Um, I don't necessarily agree with all of it. So I think for me, I think I'm fortunate to have grown up in the 90s become an activist within the 2000s, 2010s, and then um, now heading into this new decade, I feel that 
working with the medium of podcasting, connecting with people, um, is really helping me shape a more well-rounded view of the world, you know? No, definitely. And um, you, your stories that you bring on to the podcast, it, 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 it uh, builds empathy because, you know, if a person takes a chance and listens to it that may have opposing views, mm. they'll realize, you know, the person he's talking to or talking with and himself, um, they have common traits, you know, and mm. it, that's, I think that's the key fundamental of empathy. Like, okay, you know, outside of we're both humans, which, and we're both men, you know, what, however we want to, you know, all our, we can list them out. You know, when we find the deep things like, you know, our love of music or something like that, it's more personal and you like you have more of a, of a bond with them. But, you know, with these podcasts, we can build that because mm -hmm. you hear these stories, you bring them to the surface, you're you're making them available to a wide audience. And um, I think it's a it's it's a great it's a great way to bring in the new decade. It, it was probably much needed in the past. Mm -hmm. and um, But now we have these doc like with technology and everything, these will be documented forever. Mm -hmm. Even the Library of Congress is, you know, archiving podcasts. So, you know, these podcasts are going to be there forever. So. Sounds like the government is about to, like, <laughs> take all my shit. Uh, no, big, but Big Brother is like, we got to keep an eye on this right? guy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like podcasts, like, this is a new way to get in with them. Um, yeah, I think my experience with um, doing the Immigration My Podcast for this long now, four years, like, that seems like a lifetime now, you know? Um but it was always about giving the platform to people for people to say whatever they wanted because mm -hmm. I had a bad experience within the nonprofit sector and I felt that a lot of it was and still is dominated by people being beholden to funders, right? Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I understand that's just the system. But for me, kind of experiencing like the bad end of it, um, I felt that my voice was silenced, right? So when I started the podcast, it really was, okay, I'm going to turn the mic on. I'm going to ask you questions and you can say whatever it is you want. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what most guests have taken away from it. You know, 70, 80 guests is that they were able to walk away from it being as honest and authentic as possible. Um, and the thing is like most of the interview isn't necessarily about immigration. It's mm -hmm. about us joking about us getting to know each other about, you know, getting to know someone's hidden talent or like someone's like story that like is, is this incredible story um, or really sad story, but it's their story ultimately. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that that's why it's kept me motivated for doing it for so long because these people become my friends. Um, you know, people have found job opportunities. People have collaborated, people have connected, people have been able to, um, you know, make opportunities for themselves just by being on the podcast. And me, you know, that's what, you know, inspires me to continue turning the microphone on and continuing this particular podcast. So, yeah, no, I'm, I have two questions. Well, yeah. One would be to go back in history of like what made you want to do a podcast versus, mm -hmm. you know, I think you mentioned that you, you started off with video or just writing a book or, you know, or just, you know, blogging, you know, there, there's millions of uh, different avenues. You could paint pictures or whatever, but that that's one question. But I, before that, I would love to hear, since you've been doing this for four years, what's your favorite moment that made you like feel warm and fuzzy? And you're like, oh, wow, like I'm doing it. This is, this is real. Like, so there's two moments that come to mind. Um, the first one is where I interviewed um, an immigration activist named Rosa Velasquez who I believe is from Ohio. Don't quote me on that. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Rosa. Um, but, you know, she testified, I think, in front of Congress before, right? And when she sat down with me, I think I was only, like, her fourth interview ever. And by the end of it, like, she started crying from how happy she was that our conversation had gone so amazingly. And, you know, that friendship has continued on for three years now. And... She gave me that opportunity when, like, she didn't have to. She already testified in front of Congress and, like, has talked in front of the cameras. What does she need me for? Some, like, lowly podcaster, like, coming and asking for a story. But um, that, for me, was a stamp of validation that, like, I was really touching someone. Mm -hmm. I think the second one actually happened in that same year where it was a young woman named Luz. And she told me the story of, like, how she was, like, she had bought her own house and, like, she was doing things to take care of her family. And because of the election, like, she might lose everything, right? 
But in what she was describing, like, it made me cry. It made me cry on camera. And I didn't edit that out because I really felt like that was such a powerful moment that I needed to document because me as the host and having, like, listened to stories already, a number of stories, like, these stories can still make you cry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the two moments. I think, you know, out of every interview, I could always p- pick one moment at, from each guest, you know? But um, I think the fact that people continue referring this podcast on and keep, you know, supporting it and, you know, honestly, just stay friends with me, I think, you know, shows the power of what we're building, which is something real, um, which you don't always find in the nonprofit world. No, that's no, true. And um, yeah, you, it's we used to say this, I don't in my old job, but um, I don't know if it's a famous quote, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so like when you experience these new things, you, you, you learn the, and you, you learn these new feelings and you learn new things about yourself. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I can get a little big headed or arrogant or, you know, feel like oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm the shit. I know this and that. But then, you know, I, I, I like my joy of meeting new people and learning their story. It, it opens the door and it puts that it suppresses that ego to and you learn stuff even even like there there's um i work by grand central station mm-hmm. between there and the un and there's a guy that every morning he stands out in front of the church he doesn't ask for a cent he just greets everybody and like i get tears in my eyes a little bit thinking mm-hmm. about it and, and a warm feeling because he makes my day and the days that he's not there i'm like man I, I his name is john and he he's a great guy you know and you know people keep, but just hello how are you doing good luck have a great day you know god yeah. bless it it helps you know and just just talking to people and you learn you're like i need to say hi to more people just say hi to strangers give mm-hmm. them a hug you never know you know because you don't know what they're going through you know if they're going to a toxic workplace or having yeah. a bad day but just saying somebody saying hello god bless have a good day it, it makes it, it gives you that that warm and fuzzy feeling mm-hmm. and you have to be a little vulnerable to to allow that to come and you know uh, me as well as you i'm sure you know you being on the phone on the on the podcast and on the mic you know and and hearing these stories and like you said crying and not editing out it shows mm-hmm. the raw raw passion as well as feelings that, yeah. that are involved and i'm sure other people, you know, might listen and a tear falls there in their eye and, you know, they're, that, that's real, you know, it's real stuff. But, yeah. Um, so I think this is a good time to actually bring up the 99th episode of the podcast. Yeah. Right? I was going to, I was going to say like <laughs> you, you were mentioning about your 99th episode mm-hmm. and, and the, the five segments of it. Yeah. And um, yeah, like, like it kind of flows into some of the, the reasons I like the other prior question is, mm-hmm. you know, what triggered that you starting this podcast and what are your, yeah you want to talk about it a little bit more so given that you know you're talking about like raw and emotion right so this 99th episode was i spent two months writing it it's a tell-all episode that really takes you through everything that happened until this point right so being an immigration activist um and it's really interesting that you mentioned like arrogance and ego because though i wasn't the most narcissistic person in the world i was starting to feel a little bit of it the success was starting to get to me. You know, I had directors from across the country tell me at conferences, like, you're going to be a big deal. You're the next thing. You know, like, you're going to be so successful in this work. And I really, really started to believe it because I was I was getting standing ovations. Like, I was getting awards and I was winking at the pretty girls. <laughs> um, that's something I actually put there as a joke. But, um. I think in starting to believe that I made the worst mistake that I could have made, and that was I tried to aim high to the top. Um, There was one organization that I really wanted to work for, and I really, I designated it as my dream job. Like, it had what I needed, a big platform, um, the title of manager, and the famous mentor. And I talk about how, how hard I worked to get to that organization. Because I was tired of kind of like being a big fish in a small pond. Again, because I was believing the hype. And so, yeah, I get there. I get the title National Campus Engagement Manager. And, you know, I'm frightened on social media. And like, you know, it's just, it's cringeworthy to think about it now, you know. But um, I get there and it really turns out to be such a bad experience. And again, I detail it all. Um 
I think one of the biggest letdowns was the person that I worked for, the famous person that I worked for. And did you, did, did you mention their name or? Well, I, I referred to the person as Jay in the in the episode, you know, and I'll talk a little bit later about why. Um, the story is a long and winding road, um, but ultimately it culminates in this like tour of Kentucky that I'm sent to. And there's, you know, a guy that I worked with that took something I said, repeated it to this mentor out of context, and they created this shit storm while I was there. And there's twists and turns in that too. But ultimately, you know, then I talk about how I end up wanting to punch this famous mentor in the face. Like there, there, there he is, you know, me having like walked up to him to a conference years before that and like taking a picture with him to him standing in front of me. And I want to knock him in the face, right? Um, was this like Kanye and Jay Z? That like, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. What's a good analogy? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but I'm trying to think of a good, maybe like Snoop and Dr. Dre because like they didn't get along at some point. But um, but yeah. So so you know that that moment was surreal, right? Getting back to New York and receiving that call that I was getting fired over this incident, which you know, I didn't actually punch anybody. I did mm-hmm. like I was literally fired for saying that I thought, you know, once the Kentucky tour was over, we could move on to like focusing on the chapters um, so I could work with the director closely. That's all I said. Mm-hmm. And I got fired over that. Um, but I had placed so much stock into that organization. I had placed so much stock into this famous mentor that when I was fired, like, I really felt like my world crashed. Like, I literally, like, lost everything. And and I was signed by the by another organization, kind of like a co-signing thing by another national organization, which never called me after that, never supported me. Um, and, yeah, and, and so that, that that's the part where, like, I had lost everything. And then I started making YouTube videos, like, very amateur YouTube videos, like, you know, you could go back and watch them, but they're like really cringeworthy. I'm like, let's do a Repo- let's do a Republican Royal Rumble or something like that, you know. Um, but you know, the fact that you know one or two people were liking it or retweeting it on Twitter made me think that I should continue. So I did, and eventually, that's what became the podcast. There's a lot more description in the 99th episode, but that's what became the podcast where I I started interviewing people and like, it just started snowballing little by little. I'm not saying the podcast is still like, you know, it's not like one of these podcasts that receives like 40,000 listens. It's not, but the fact that like it's made an impact in people's lives and I'm able to use it to get into spaces for me is the best. Um, So that's kind of like the buildup as to how the podcast started. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we talk about everybody, Everybody listening in there, you know, we both know, I'm, I'm sure Handel knows, everybody has an ego. Everybody has their high points, their narcissistic points, and, you know, feeling like I'm the shit, nobody can touch me. Um, but it's events like this, you know, I've had two in my life that, you know, you're out of work and mm-hmm. you, you didn't think you were going to get fired or you move from one job to, to the next. The first one, like the, my manager's manager loved me. We had a good rapport. My direct manager was a little bit of a micromanager. Well, not a little bit. She was. And um, we bumped heads. And, and then it led to me being let go. Well, well I kind of quit. but <laughs> <laughs> You're playing with the story now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, she gave me an option. I said, uh, my option is uh, nice to meet you. I'm, my option I'm, is fuck you. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and then um, and then not too long ago, like I was telling Hendel right before we started, a year and a half ago, I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. With a job, it was my dream. I had, even after college, I wanted to move here, and I never had the opportunity. Got an opportunity. It was a high title that I wanted. Not the salary that I wanted, but mm-hmm. I'm like, this is an opportunity. I wanted to take it. I was going to kick ass. You know, I was a big fish in a little pond yeah. in Florida. and um, Sounds like we should start a company or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big fish in a little pond. <laughs> Come to us, and we'll right? help you out. For but, all your podcasting needs. <laughs> the, middle, the middle pond. The, the middle pond um, LLC. Uh, where, where you can grow to the to the bigger lakes but um yeah so i came here a month into the job well the first the job was horrible but um month in i got fired and that this one i really got fired uh, yeah. there's no debate 
um it was a blessing because I, I was already looking to leave but being it was a month into living in new york one of the most expensive cities in the world i had moved into my apartment a week before my birthday was the week before as well and i was out of work mm. with like i'm like oh shit i'm in trouble like yeah this is this is hard and then you know all my friends oh don't worry new york has so many jobs and that but it's it's not that easy and then also the talent pool here in new york is like you know creme de la creme mm -hmm. so you know i was a little tadpole in the, this in this big pond now but um it it's it's important to find something that kind of keeps you going and i had always had ideas for a podcast and um I had done like the alt MBA, which kind of gave me some structure of how, what I wanted to do. But the one defining moment before I moved up here was like, I'm tired of sitting in a cubicle and not meeting and only talking to the same people every day. And I, I'm a people person. I like to meet people mm -hmm. and hear their stories. So when I was unemployed, I would walk the streets of New York because I couldn't afford to go anywhere or do mm -hmm. anything. And I, I wanted to be out outside of applying to jobs. But, you know, you reach a, a low point, but in those low points, you kind of learn about yourself and, you know, you, that ego stripped away because, you know, being unemployed is not a, a badge many people want to hold. And you just kind of have to really think, OK, what did I do wrong? What did I do right? What do I want in the next next chapter? What do I do not want? What are my my hard nose, my mm -hmm. my, you know, flexible areas? And um it really, I think, I think it's a blessing in disguise because a it's God opening the door for you. And maybe you weren't going in the direction, you know, he wanted you to go or whoever you believe in the higher universe wanted you to go. But having those moments, you know, if you never have gotten fired, who knows this podcast might never have been invent, you know, created and all these stories would never have been put into the mass media. You might, you never would have had your 99th episode be mm -hmm. without being fired and learning all those lessons you have. And um, it's funny when you say that your, your words were twisted and, and told to the other person. I learned that very early in my, my, my career. I was a, a, an intern right out of high school working at a bank um, through the inroads program. And the, the HR rep that was managing the interns left one day, mm. disappeared. We didn't not, know nothing. So one of the other HR people brought us into the office. It was me and this other intern. And she was stressed out. She was pretty young. She was like kind of, kind of not not bitchy, but just like complaining a lot. Like, mm -hmm. oh, now I got these two people to worry about. Like, this guy didn't tell me anything. Like, what are you guys doing? Where are you guys? Where are you from? And um, I had created a little coffee table group that that I would meet with them in the mornings. And I remember just talking to him. Like, yeah, this this girl in HR. She's like, she's like a real tough cookie. I, that's exactly how I um, yeah. described it. And um, the people around the table, they all look at one guy that that wasn't too much older than me. He's like, they go, "Is she a tough cookie?" I find out they're her man? dating. Yeah, <laughs> they eventually got married. Oh shit! And I was like, lesson number one: <laughs> be careful who you talk yeah. about and what you talk about because you never know how people are connected. You know, people twist your words, and that that can happen, especially in the media nowadays. That yeah, I mean, and that's why I'm glad. That's why I'm glad I made this episode, right? Mm -hmm. Because. I think me describing this bought these stories out of you, mm -hmm. right? Um, do I hold a grudge? Not necessarily at this point. But in the 99th episode, you do hear how angry I was for a long time and how consumed by hatred I was uh, mm -hmm. consumed. I, you know, there are four characters in that story that um, did damage, right? And those four characters have gone on to like bigger positions, but I don't want, how should I say? I want people to know the truth though, because no matter what good they did, they do, no matter how high their positions are, they did something to me collectively. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to ever forget that. So now it's not, it's not revenge. It's not necessarily a grudge, but it's something that I've carried for four years. And I don't think that just because we work in this soft and cuddly nonprofit world that people aren't like this. And um, I actually saw a tweet yesterday 
right, from a young woman who was fired from a national organization because she alleges that there was a there was a staff member, a higher up, who was harassing younger women, right? Who was working, and these younger women have allegedly, you know, needed therapy, etc. But because she brought these complaints up, she was let go, and currently she's in the process of they're trying to get her to give her severance pay, but to sign a non-disclosure agreement, right? So when I don't know her, we just follow each other because we're interested interested in immigration. So I sent her my episode and I was working and she was like, you know, communicating with me on Twitter, like, oh, my God, like this story is crazy. Who's this person and this person who wanted you to write professional emails? You know, is, is it is it this organization? I looked at your LinkedIn, like, you know, mm-hmm. and she really enjoyed it, you know. So we got on the call by the end of the day. And we talked and I said, listen, I reached out to you because I made this podcast episode as a tool for this kind of thing, because I don't want you to feel like you're alone because I went through this badly. Now, she's, I think, a couple of years older than me. And um, I think she was in the communications director position or something like that. Um, but, you know, I said to her, like, I understand the effects of this kind of thing. Like it can like it took it took a couple of years off of my career. I mean, yeah, you know, we could talk about how it's destiny and like the podcast, but like looking at it logistically, what happened to me with organization one took years off of my career where I had to start all over again. I think podcasting is helping me leapfrog back into that, but I don't think these kinds of incidents like should go untold. And I think honestly, I'm probably the first and only person that has done a tell all in a social justice sort of sense, mm-hmm. you know, because these kind these stories exist. It's just we live in you know this this protected nonprofit world where the only objective is to stop Trump. People get away with shit like that, you know. Yeah, and I and I'm not saying to forget it or forgive yeah. him, but um, I was thinking of a Kanye quote. I don't. I, I love Kanye West. You can hate me for it, but the old Kanye. Listen, I used to be the biggest Kanye West fan. Like, the song Through the Wire saved my life at a time when I thought I shouldn't even be on this earth. Well, so. there's one, There's one. I think it's on the same album called Last Call. And um, but I, I use my arrogance as a steam to follow my dreams. Yeah, there's that one. And then there's, like, some people say I'm gasped, but without it, I would be last. It, it, sure, it yeah. kind of goes like that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I played my hands, the hand I was dealt. I changed my cars, I prayed right. to the skies, and I changed my stars. stars. But, um... You know those things you can change, but use it as your gas. Like use it to to propel yourself and and use these are tools. Everything in life is a tool that you and what you do with it is what you what you accomplish. You know you could have had a pity party forever, and four years later, you know who knows what you're doing. You know you could have been, you know just a, a I don't know what you want. You could have been anything, and you could like right now you're, you're you know you're working for a great organization. You're working. You're doing an um, amazing podcast, but you didn't let it stop you. I know mm-hmm. everybody has their lows, everybody, but you use it. Like, that's the fire in you that that you're like. And for me, trust me, I, yeah. I still go through it. Like, when I get yelled at a boss by my boss, I'm like, oh, shit, am I going to get fired? Yeah. Is it going to happen? Uh, like, and all these fears. And and sometimes I tell them, like, look, I had these bad episodes. I might, like, freak out. Like, yeah. I might panic. But you got to, you learn to deal with it. And I, I feel like karma always comes back and bites those people. Well, I'm not going to comment specifically on that, on the karma, but, um, you know, you mentioned Last Call, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I really like that song is because it's an ode to the story of how Jay-Z gave that opportunity to Kanye West, right? And that was sort of what happened for me next. Mm-hmm. That goes into chapter four of the, of the 99th episode. Um, and this was where through a series of divine intervention events um i met mike diaz from the latinos out loud podcast and you said you've gone to see their show so yeah i was at the the hbo latino mm-hmm. um film festival this past fall and and i got to see them live and i'm like oh this is, these are dreams like hopefully i can get on their level one day yeah and so for me it was the hbo latino film festival the year before that where again i was completely down and out mike was on that panel I grabbed him by the shoulder afterwards and I said, just give me one opportunity. 
you know. And he said, come intern for us. And I started at the very bottom, holding doors, bringing water. But I think the interesting part is that even as an executive producer now, I do that without complaining. Mm -hmm. Because it's courtesy to the people that we're talking to. You know, like having you here today, setting up the mixer, offering you the snacks we have in this office, like it's courtesy, right? But I think before getting fired, I wouldn't have seen it that way, you know? So Mike gave me the opportunity to learn how to be a producer, to sit there and learn how to manage personalities and, and learn how to, you know, use minutes for editing and, um, you know, how to really engage with people to create a good show with good content. So three months had passed. I became associate producer. Um and then from there, it was just kind of off to the races where I just started getting introduced to like this brand new network of people. Did you have your podcast at the same time? Yeah. So I had already been in it for two and a half years, I think. But this was the boost that I needed. You know, like I, w I was getting places, but this really like gave me the know-how. Um, and yeah, like so most of 2019, 2018, 2019 was spent building my network, building, you know, my skills. Um, and that culminated into last November, where the same month that we launched the podcast for Momentum um, here at Race Forward, where I work, um, was the same month that I had to leave Latinos Out Loud because I couldn't take on that extra workload. But it's such a blessing because... You know, a couple years, you know, nine months before that, I had nothing to work on. Now I have too much to work on. And so leaving was very bittersweet because those people really changed my life. And it was and so between leaving Latinos Out Loud, between launching Momentum and between the 100th episode of Immigration Mike, I really finally turned that corner where I had beaten my demons no, and hopefully most, like, I'm trying to think of my words, but I wish that upon everybody that mm -hmm. they, you know, not wish the dark times, but like a Tupac quote is, um, through every dark night, there's a bright day after that. Mm -hmm. But I, I can go on for days, I think in lyrics, but, um, well, I'm, I'm thinking of the 50 cent, uh, I think it's many men. He says, uh, life wouldn't be hard if it wasn't for rain for rain something 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 for pain i don't know well, i thought you were gonna say i like you like a fat kid likes cake <laughs> that's, that's 21 questions it's a good time yeah yeah no but um yeah you went through that and you, you you i think the the key thing and i was talking to some friends recently too about it and it's something that i've always been blessed with is reflection so you reflected on you you know nine months prior mm -hmm. you had nothing to do almost you know you were you were you're doing your podcast. You had your your day to day, whatever. You might have been working a side job, but it wasn't like what you thought was success or where mm -hmm. you thought you would be. But you know, you you took these chances, and then you reflected. You know, fast forward to wow, like I've grown so much, and all these things and all these blessings have have happened to me. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's a very important thing that people don't do that often. And I'm guilty of it sometimes. Like sometimes I'm down and out. I'm like, oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. And people remind me, hey, Ozzy, you're here in New York. You're living your dream. You got a good job, like after a year or so. But you know, um, good in salary. But um, the the most important thing I think from your story and and people can pull from that is you something in you pushed you to ask him for an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that I think was like the, you know, the, the reaction, the atoms bouncing off of each other that, that sparked this, you know, adventure or mission and journey that some people are always scared to. And, you know, you, you, I always tell people, ask questions, stupid or not, you know, plead ignorance. I don't care. Just ask it and, you know, go up to your people, go up to somebody you admire and, and, and talk to them. Um, one podcast that I've, I've listened to religiously since his inception is the James Altucher show. So mm -hmm. he, he's, he's local here in New York. Um, but he, he likes high performing people. And one thing he, he touts, he preaches is he does, um, 10 ideas a day 
and he any topic. So you say Latino reform, list ten ten ideas how to fix it. Mm-hmm. He always says like when you get around seven eight, it gets hard. Right. And he it's not to do anything with those ideas. It's just to train your idea muscle. Mm-hmm. But he also he, in many episodes he talks about this is um use that as an introduction. So like you know if you email somebody like a cold email you don't know them. You know, say, hey, I really admire what you're working on. Uh, you know, I was listening to X, Y, Z or watching this. And um, 10 ideas I have that, that we can, you know, work together on or, you know, for your your whatever it is, company, podcast, video, whatever their medium is. You know, here are 10 ideas I thought of. If you want to talk, you know, shoot me an email back and we can schedule it. He says, like, giving that without any asking for anything back is just like you're saying here. Take it. You can run with ideas. You can do whatever you want with it. I'm not asking for credit, but I'm just providing value before you even make the. And um, I did something similar several times, and and it's paid dividends. You know, you never know, and and it's that ask. You know that that you you make the effort. You shoot the email. You press send. You introduce yourself to so many people. Like you know, like how the hell could you say like <laughs> go mm-hmm. to the president of a you know the company and say that, but doing that puts you in a position to meet them and talk to them and they may not they may shrug you off and be like okay peon leave leave yeah. my you're not in my graces but they might you know put their arm around you and be like yeah i'll mentor you oh, what do you need to know and um but it's that 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 fire in you that that pushes you i don't know what it is or mm. but like that i think is, is like a pivotal point in your life that you ask them because you know everybody has different avenues in life and you know you could take this one or that one but you know sometimes if you if you took that risk of talking to them and, and putting yourself on the line say hey i'll do anything yeah teach me literally was anything basically yeah um i told this one lady she i was at the adelante conference in, in at harvard and um it was like a two-day thing I, I took a vacation and it happened to fall on the same weekend and um there's an organization called latino corporate directors association out of dc and their main mission is to help put more Latinos on corporate boards, focusing on like Fortune 500 and 100. Um, right now it's like less than 2%. There's like 200 worldwide, like mm. nationwide that, that are on there. And um, a- after she spoke, I said I-, I went up to her and I told her, I'll quit my job and move up to DC if I can work for your organization because right. it's something I wanna do. You're working with high performing Latinos that are not well known. And it went by the wayside, whatever. She we, She's like, oh, that's nice and you know, moved on. But a few months later, I, I was going to D.C. to visit friends and I shot her an email. I said, oh, yeah, you know, I, I met you at this conference. We talked uh, shortly. Um, these are some ideas I have for the organization. If maybe if you want me to help with you, help you, I can help implement them or whatever. And it was stupid stuff. Twitter podcast, you know, mm-hmm. all these things. One of them being a podcast. But um, she said, oh, that's great. Let's meet for coffee when you come up here. We met for coffee. I volunteered with them for a year or so got to be in a room with CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. I walked Oscar Munoz from United, the CEO, I think he's, he might still be the CEO, of United Airways. Mm-hmm. I, I had to go pick him up from the green room and bring him to the to right. go speak. It was funny because uh, his his PR like guy, he was like, oh, he has a, a flight to catch. I'm like, they're not going to hold the plane? Like, <laughs> is that how United rolls? Right. But um, no, 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 no foul play to, to United, but... Um, but I just, I was in this room and I'm like, these are powerful Latinos. And this mm-hmm. was during the time I was unemployed and walking around the streets of New York mm-hmm. with, any, with nothing to do and no money in my pocket. But, you know, I said, wow, like hearing some of these stories and making bonds with these people. Yeah. I'm in this room with these amazing people and not many people even know their names. Mm-hmm. You know, Nelson Diaz, Adiz Villa, you know, these people are doing great things and they've gone through their struggles but they're not common names out in the public. Right. And I think they should be. You know, these, these are our heroes, our Latino heroes that they paved the way for us. Mm-hmm. And they've done great things to be on corporate boards, especially Fortune 500. Like, we need to know their names. Like, <laughs> they need to be out there. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when it kind of pushed me to say, okay, I need to <laughs> get my shit together and, like, actually produce this podcast. Right, and, exactly. And that's why. And that's the premise. That's the inspiration. Exactly. Yeah. To, to, but, you know, it would never, it might not have never happened if I hadn't gone and talked to the, the lady or sent her that, follow that up with that email. And I think that's an important lesson that everybody needs to do, like, you know, take a chance, talk to them, as well as reflect back. 
mm. and count not count your blessings but like very um be gratitude i guess is, is the is the perfect word yeah and you know one thing is that the challenges aren't over right no never um i may sit here as an executive producer with um five episodes of momentum um being out there and being received very well and people loving it but there are challenges day to day there are challenges that i need to grow through organizationally there are challenges i need to grow through personally like i said there was a lot of time lost in the time that i got fired right so there's still things i need to make up for and learn about life that i'm doing so it's not you know i just say bad boy for life at the end of chat at the end of the 99th episode and everything went away right no i mean did you drop the music dun 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 <laughs> i did not uh copyright but uh <laughs> you know i feel that i'm approaching my challenges now with such a sense of stability such a sense of maturity such as you know i've said this before like at this point i could i could literally lose all this again what's different is that I now have the hard skills to build it all back up. Mm-hmm. Before I didn't, I didn't have these skills. Um, so, you know, God willing, like this is, you know, what I'm meant to do for a while more. But, you know, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still being challenged. Um, and I'm moving through it okay. Everybody grows and then they also have setbacks and like those evil thoughts in their head like you know questioning what they're doing and and but it's you have like you like you said you've reflected and you know even if you lose everything tomorrow mm-hmm. you'll be able to build and you right. can you can get back to where you are and and further you know there's ain't no mountain high <laughs> but um different genre now. different we're jumping all over the place but um you 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 know that and those are life skills mm-hmm. that you built and and I always reflect back, you know, you, you might not have had that maturity if you hadn't lost that job or mm-hmm. if that didn't happen. And, you know, at a, you know, I think you've reached a high level. You know, not many people can have a hobby to, that turns into a job mm-hmm. that turns into like a career. You know, people can have jobs every day, but it, are they going to do anything with it? Right. And you've really accomplished a lot. You know, you, you. you have a beautiful place, a studio that you can do your work and mm-hmm. make your art. And, and you're surrounded by great people and everybody has their fragile moments and, you know, you're going to have some and everybody out there too, but it's, you have those, those past experiences that can push you forward and push you through that. And, um, no, I I thank you for having this podcast and, and and inviting me on, you know, I I feel a little exposed because I'm talking a lot (laughs) about myself. Um, so there's one more point that I would like to make, and that's talking about kind of like what you said, you you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So I had this moment of clarity last year um, when I was on the subway and I was exhausted. I was working on so many projects and, you know, podcast producing is more than just podcast producing. It really is project management, audio engineering, you know, all these components, design, right? But I thought to myself, this is nothing compared to what educators go through, right? Because I think the last thing that they are is just teachers, there are practitioners, project managers, counselors, psychologists, creatives, advocates. They need to manage up all the time. Facilitators, administrators, specialists across fields of studies. They're unbelievable workhorses. And finally, they're, they are caretakers. But they're so almost close to perfect at it. So I can't complain about anything. Because what I, you know, when I'm exhausted midweek, like that's their Monday. So I give a lot of credit to people who choose education as a career yeah my mom was a teacher so i do have that um that that soft spot in my heart for them and as well as just in general like educators and i think that that goes back to like they're the they're spending more face time with the the kids of the future mm-hmm. than some parents you know because if you if you think about it eight hours of that day five days a week it, it, it magnifies and then when the parents pick them up some a lot of the times is they're sleeping eating running from practice to practice that's a lot of face time with these kids and it's their job to 
almost formed the the future which is is terrifying i know one time i babysat two toddlers and prior to that i'm like yeah when i grow up and get married i want six kids mm -hmm. after that i was like maybe two like <laughs> it's it's a lot of work and i could not even imagine what i what my mom had to go through mm -hmm. you know managing a class of 30 or 40 kids with all different personalities all different types she did esol for a while which is uh, english as a second language yeah. and um just managing that I, you know i would always ask her like i think i talked a little bit about that in the podcast like you know if you have a haitian kid that speaks creole and a, a kid from south america that speaks spanish how do you like I, it's just amazing to form a, a lesson plan to a teach them english a foreign language as well as things to to keep them up on their in the academic level that they need to be so yeah hats off to to educators because it's right. it's 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 a job with many, many hats, and they're not paid what they need to be paid at all. Exactly. And I think, but for me, I didn't learn that until I became a full-time podcast producer, right? And I think one of my regrets is that I didn't learn that earlier and I didn't have the empathy. Um, for educators, you're saying? Yes. But I think that now I'm so more passionate when people talk about educators needing more resources higher salaries nobody really understands like the work-life balance until you go through something similar yourself and again that's back to like the conversation around empathy so mm -hmm. yeah. and and i think the one big thing that people don't realize that just seeing it firsthand from my mother like they the school it doesn't stop at 2 or whatever 3 p.m when they get out it goes on like my mom would go to tutor kids that needed it help a lot of times for free and then you know i remember one one poor like poor neighborhood that she she taught at that elementary kid school um one of the girls wanted to go to a dance but she didn't have a dress so my mom picked her up on the weekend mm -hmm. got her to get her hair done and she went and picked out a dress and you know they they do so much extra that goes on you know they're not doing it for 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 notoriety or you know attention they're doing it because they know it's important for that kid to have these loved ones and to to really like the people to respect adults learn from them as well as you know no there's people there's good people out there and you know it's not always tough mm -hmm. and and that's it's just amazing that and and unnoticed how much time goes behind just you know and people say okay they only work they get the summers off but there's a lot of work they probably work three years worth of the yeah. time that you know we work in our office jobs um just in that you know that one school year and and it, and it, it takes like like how we were saying you know experiences to really put us in in the that situation that that grows that empathy and it makes right. us empathetic like and and i don't think you could really fully understand what they go through and everybody is different mm -hmm. but you have a you're like wow i had to juggle three balls and, and doing this podcast you're doing you're juggling six balls and managing a class of 30 All right. and i tell people like thank them if you can give them gifts whatever you can but whatever you can do to support education educational programs mm -hmm. inside and outside of the public schools um it's vital and it's important yeah. and it keeps the heartbeat going and it, it it gives them a little jolt of energy to say okay somebody's noticing this does help and and I think the biggest satisfaction my mom's always had is we would be walking around the mall and she sees a kid that she taught in elementary school, mm. like, and she's like, oh my God, Miss Valdez. And, and she goes, oh, what's your name again? Or like, oh, Heather. And the lady, oh, you remember me? This, I'm doing this, this, and that. And, and it's, it's, it's a warm feeling that she's like, okay, I was her second grade teacher and I made an impact that she remembers me, you know, 15, 20 years later when she's mm. already an accomplished person. I usually like to close my podcast and like um, ask a few like bullet questions or lightning round or however you want to call it. You know, we've learned a lot and, and, and you've gone through a lot and we learned a little bit about your experiences. But outside of podcasting and um, producing those YouTube videos and, and getting out there, were there any books that you listened to, like you not listened to, but read that that really helped you get through that hole? Um, you know, the difficult thing is like when you're a nonprofit and like you you're reading reports all day in social media like the last thing you want to do is read 
But I think that I started listening to audiobooks and I was able to consume that information better. So that made me understand why podcasts are becoming a big thing. Because instead of sitting there and like reading all of Hillary Clinton's last book or Charlemagne the God, right? Mm-hmm. I was able to consume it in a few like riding the train for a few times. So that's how I've been consuming books. Um, I don't know. It's just becoming really hard for me to open books. So Awesome. Yeah. And then... Um, this is probably one of going to be a hard question, yeah, what's but up? what's your your favorite line from a song, favorite lyric? But I'm a champion, so I turn tragedy to triumph. Make music that's fire, spit my soul through the wire. Okay, good. See, some of these lyrics they like, get imprinted in your mind, and you chant them. I, I said, you know, uh, that song saved my life through the wire. Definitely. Yeah. And then outside of that, like, what's what are some of your role models? Um, outside of musicians or it could be musicians mm-hmm. that that you just admire and you, you love reading their story and following them past present or future yeah i mean i mean at first the rock i think like has always been one of my biggest inspirations it um, doesn't matter no, I just <laughs> but uh you know he does transcend you know um across like industries and i think for me that's always very inspirational um but then you know i do enjoy like the story of Kanye West, the story of Jay Z, the story of J. Cole. Um, those stories of like people not believing in them and them like being able to supersede any expectations, those are stories where like where I that's why I really identify with the music. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, um, Hendel, for, for being yeah, on the man. podcast. Thank and- you, man. I appreciate it. I feel like this was like sort of like a therapy session. Um, so I appreciate it, you know. No, no, it's good, and I and I, I always like when I find people that that like um, music as much as I can. Yeah. I do and can recite lyrics without them being in front of us. But thank you, guys. Cool, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, hit subscribe and of course, follow us on IG, Facebook, and all their social media platforms at Platform Latino. That's P-L-A-T-F-O-R-M-L-A-T-I-N-O. Thanks again and have a wonderful and inspired day.